Hey, and welcome to the Neurodivergent Musician Podcast. I'm your host, John Hart, with Luna, my guitar, and today I'll be talking about identity. Each episode is broken up into a Trafalite format where I'll share insights in the red section, improvised stories in the amber section, and recommendations you might find handy in the green section. Now, there will be crossovers in episodes, and I apologize now if I repeat the same thing. My working memory is terrible. A lot of neurodivergents might relate with this, and I forget a lot unless it's connected to emotions and feelings. Just a quick disclaimer, I'm not an expert yet, or qualified yet, so anything I say are my thoughts and feelings. But please do seek out expert knowledge if you want to go into the rabbit hole. So identity, it is complex and multidimensional, but it can be especially challenging for those who are neurodivergent. We often struggle to fit into normal, whatever that is, that our world and society has set, which can make it difficult to feel we belong and connected with others. In this episode, we explore what it means to be a neurodivergent musician and how we can embrace our unique identities in the music world. So first, it's important to understand that being neurodivergent is not a flaw or a weakness, although we may feel this at times. In fact, many neurodivergent individuals have unique talents and abilities that can be used and enhanced to create great music. We often have high-functioning creative intelligence. We might see the world in a different way than neurotypical individuals, and that perspective can lead to exciting and creative music making. However, we might also struggle with certain aspects of music making that come naturally to others. For example, we might have difficulty with social interactions in the music industry. Networking can be a nightmare as well, or we might find it challenging to focus on certain tasks for extended periods of time, especially when our brain is flicking between lots of channels, or what I call hive brain, where you've got lots and lots of bees and wasps just flying left, right and center. It's important to acknowledge these challenges and work on coping mechanisms and strategies to overcome them. But it's equally important to champion our strengths and unique viewing point. So how can we embrace and enhance our neurodivergent identities as musicians? Well, one way is to find communities of like-minded individuals who can offer support, understanding and validation something I've been striving for for a very long time as I felt completely out of place amongst my peers and the music industry. I love them to bits, but I just feel like a square peg in a round hole when I'm around lots and lots of different people. These communities might include other neurodivergent musicians, which is something I'm building here, or they might be groups of individuals who share our passion in all types of music and knowledge. We are quite a cliquey or geeky bunch when we come together, and I love that side of us. Another way to embrace our neurodivergent identities is to incorporate our authentic selves and views into our music making. We might experiment with unusual sounds, textures, techniques, keys or rhythms, or we might explore topics that are important to us as neurodivergent individuals. By being true to ourselves and our experiences, we can create music that is authentic and powerful. 
I found writing for myself first has helped others to connect with it rather than write what others would like to hear. This is my true self in motion. Of course, embracing our neurodivergent identities as musicians is not always easy. We might face stigma or misunderstanding in the music industry, or we might struggle with imposter syndrome and low self-esteem, which I'll go into in future episodes. But it's important to remember that our neurodivergent identities are part of who we are and how we navigate the world. We shouldn't have to walk around with a mask and conform to a neurotypical world and way of living. I personally see the neurotypical world as mono and the neurodivergent world as stereo. And I've never heard anyone tell me they would prefer to listen to music in mono over stereo. So why are we living this way? Well, like Bob Dylan's famous song title, The Times They Are Changing. So if you are a neurodivergent musician, I encourage you to celebrate your unique identity and share your incredible talents with the world in any shape or form. And if you're a neurotypical individual who works in the music industry, I encourage you to listen, learn and support your neurodivergent colleagues. Together, we can create a more inclusive and supportive music world for everyone. So that's it for the red section. I'll just take a quick break and then we can go into my convoluted and improvised babble in the amber section. See you then. Hey, and welcome back. So we're into the amber section of the Neurodivergent Musician Podcast, and I'm talking about identity today. So this is gonna be my convoluted improvised section where I just go on and waffle uh, in my neurodivergent dialect or tone. Uh, so you might find this familiar if you are a neurodivergent, or you might find this incredibly frustrating if you are a neurotypical. Now, the reason why I do this section is because I can just take off the mask and then I can just be my true self. I can just talk, you know, in any way I want. And when I think about identity, I think taking the mask off really, really is the vital thing. Now, I will talk about masking in a future episode, but with identity, I sort of think about it uh, with my favorite books and my favorite films are, of all time are The Lord of the Rings. And the, and the Hobbit as well. What the journey the Hobbits have to go on, like Bilbo and Frodo, from the people they were in the Shire. So I grew up on the Isle of Wight, which if you're not from England or if you're not from the UK, uh, is a little island at the bottom of the UK, England. And I grew up there my whole life. Absolutely wonderful place, lovely place. But I had to step off to be able to go and, you know, spread my wings as such. And the Isle of Wight does very much remind me of the Shire. You are in your own little world and then you've got the rest of the world. And I remember watching the Lord of the Rings when I saw the hobbits in the Shire. And it very much reminded me that they had no idea that these things were going on with Mordor and elves and dwarves and things as well. They were kind of almost like myths. And you can sometimes get messages through like you would, you know, with a TV. But anyway, the idea was that 
when I saw this, and I watched Lord of the Rings when I was in, you know, late teens, early 20s, which is the equivalent of when people in the 70s got to watch Star Wars for the first time, or, you know, the generation when Harry Potter came out, I got to see the Lord of the Rings fresh. And that's why they are my books and films of all time. They're number one. And I just love this journey that they go on. And then this whole awareness, Bilbo and Frodo and, and the other hobbits, that they just start to discover themselves. They really start to be their authentic selves as they go through because they've always been curious about the outer world. And But they're not just exploring the external side of it. They are developing their internal side of it. You know, their bravery, their courage, their you know, curiosity. And then obviously they are met with fear, anxiety, depression, all, all sorts of things through all the books. And I remember obviously Tolkien had gone through world wars and things and, you know, his comrades. So there's loosely based on those things and, and other things with the battles. But I just find it fascinating when you go and pick one of those characters. Now, you know, growing up, I've had lots of different things that I've um, been challenged with. And one of the biggest challenges, you know, growing up with a parent with a severe illness, mental illness, where you never got to see them as their true selves. You never got to see them as their authentic selves. Or I never got to see that person in you know, their wow state, or if you want to call it. I only ever got to see them in their ill state. And that is challenging in itself, where you you just can't, when you have a parent like that, you, you're, you're kind of walking along this tightrope your whole life because you've never had that person be their true self. So, and then it obviously affects the other person as you're growing up as well. And then you're, you're somewhat surrounded by chaos, you know, even though everyone's done their best, but then obviously you can then just bring it out, you know, you're in survival mode a lot of the time. So you can never be your true self or authentic self if you've got a lot of chaos going around you. And it's only when things are settled so, for instance, when I settled down with my family and then I, you know, I matured and I, I grew up and that when I anchored myself and I was settled and, you know, I just found when I anchored it, all of that st stuff that I've been holding on to really came to the surface. And then it took multiple crises for me to then go, ah, you know, I need to be my true self. I need to take up the mask to be that. And it's funny when I look at something like Lord of the Rings because, you know, Frodo carries this burden from the Shire to the volcano. And I always said, you know, going from the Isle of Wight to London was almost like going from Shire to Mordor. And I, I never saw, you know, London's beautiful. You know, I absolutely love London. I think it was just this big smoke felt like a big dragon. Maybe it was more the Bilbo journey from the Shire to Smog with the big smoke. But now I've been growing up around London. I don't live far from it. It's a wonderful place and it's got so much culture and it's a lot smaller than when I first saw it. Anyway, convoluted all over the place. And I knew this would be, uh, and that's why I love this improvised section. So with Lord of the Rings as well, Frodo carries his burden and then he's got a, you know, a best friend that goes along with him. And 
you know, the person that's been by my side for the last 17 years has been my wife. And, you know, in all shapes or forms, she's seen me. She has to deal with me all the time where I'm like jumping left, right and centre. And I hope she's going to come on as a guest on, on this podcast down the line from her music therapy hat and also from a partner hat. And she was like, she's been my Samwise Gamgee and uh, then we've had other friends, you know, Mary and Pippin. Uh, I've got my best friend from uni and we're both Sagittarius and he helped me through the crises along with my wife as well. So there are other characters around my life that have supported me along the way. But what Frodo has to carry is that burden. He knows he has the deep internal darkness that he's carrying around that those other hobbits don't really know, don't understand what that burden is when you're carrying it on your chest 24-7. But it's funny, when the character of Gollum comes in uh, to the picture, this, you know, this character has carried that burden. Uh, and, and unfortunately... You know, you can see what Gollum turns out to. It's sort of like, you know, he is the shadow of his former self. And for me, I kind of saw that as my parent figure. And I'm not going to go too detailed to that because, you know, obviously there's a lot of personal stuff. And, you know, if people want to talk to me about it. Obviously, you can DM me if you like. Um, but it's very hard because they mean a lot, you know, and, and it's really raw and I want obviously this podcast to be raw but sometimes it's just like oh no hang on a minute that's maybe too much information so I am holding my ADHD back of the impulsive side to be able to tell you all this but that Gollum character uh, reminds me of the parent figure who's had this illness their whole life and I've never I've never been able to see the parent character uh, as Smeagol Okay, I've been able to see it as sort of as Gollum, and and I, I don't mean the way they look or anything as well. I just mean the the darkness, the the chaos that they've carried around internally their whole life, and obviously it flows into you know children and everyone around you, and and all the people that I grew up with are kind of they they knew this parent character as the Smeagol character. And as the Gollum character. But I only knew this person as the Gollum character. And that's the same with Frodo. Frodo's only ever seen the Gollum character. And then there's a point where he says something to Gandalf. And Gandalf's like, do not pity. Do not do, do not basically say bad things about Gollum when you don't know what has gone on. And Gandalf is obviously completely right to say that to Frodo. You cannot dismiss but then Gandalf's not really taken into the equation that Frodo has only seen one side of it. So anyway, this is this is a journey of identity, I feel, with Lord of the Rings. It really is powerful. There's identity in Aragorn. There's there's um there's identity in Gandalf. There's identity in all of them because when they face adversity, that's when they show their true selves, when they show their true identity. You know, I think when everything is on the line, that's when you really, really, you know, find yourself. And me going through a crisis, which I don't want for anybody. I don't want anybody to experience that. But for me, every breakdown has a breakthrough. So that's Lord of the Rings. And it also happens with The Hobbit as well. You can tell Bilbo becomes his... Gandalf saw 
in Bilbo what no one else did. They knew this is the person that you need. He might come across as this kind of person at the moment and he's masking a lot. But actually, as he goes through along the journey, he goes up to the mountain and then he does all these things, saves all the dwarfs in you know, Mirkwood. And, you know, he he saves the battle before the whole big battle kicks on at the end and things, you know, and and he really is the the essence of that story. Now, a lot of people say in Lord of the Rings, Samwise Gamgee is the hero, and that is true. And what the people around me did for me during that survival and to take me away from the edge was without doubt, you know, something that I will be grateful for eternity and everything I achieve will be, you know, I'll go back to them. I'll be thankful for them for, you know, sticking with me and, you know, allow me to be me. But I still, you know, relate to Frodo and I still relate to Bilbo. Okay, welcome back to the Neurodivergent Musician Podcast. We are now into the green section. Where I'll go through a recommendation. And what I have discovered recently which might be scaring a lot of people and, you know, but I think if you can use it for the greater good, then, you know, all the better. And that is AI and chat GBT. You might be seeing this sort of sprout up in all areas and it just feels like, oh no, are robots starting to take over the world? Is this the start uh, of Skynet and all the other things? But I had an amazing musician. His name is Anthony Snape. He helped me put together my Neurodivergent album uh, campaign on my website. But he also mentioned about uh, Chat uh, GPT and he's put a book together. And just hearing his insights was fascinating. I was like, you know, what the hell is Chat GPT? I don't know what you're talking about. And obviously my head is just like, it's curious, but it's just like, whoa, uh, I'm not even, you know, I'm not sure about this. But anyway, you know, I typed it into Google and then the first one that comes up, I click on it. And, you know, he was just like, look, you know, just just have a little test with it and stuff as well. So what I did is I took one of my emails that I just sent to someone and I pretty much just went into the message there and I said, look, can you revise this email for me to make it, you know, a little bit clearer or, you know, a bit more original? I then copy paste this in there and boom, within seconds. And this is even the free version. It was just like shoom, straight there. Oh, my days, this email. Look, it's, it's amazing, but it's not revised in a way that now that makes me look, you know, sound like. You know, I'm incredibly intelligent. It just tweaks it in a way where you're just like, oh, I see now. Okay, it's like using like apps like Grammarly, which again is another recommendation. If you haven't got Grammarly, go and check it out. It's 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 amazing. Uh, Chat GBT and an AI is it, without doubt it's 
it's it's the future and i think there's a, you know a new version coming out soon but it helped me to put together the red sections the first sections of these podcasts so i would you know mock up uh, some information in a document a script of my own that you know maybe a little bit cack-handed maybe all over the place because the problem is if there's typos and there's grammar then i i can never get over that hurdle when i see a typo and things as well and i just spend forever redoing my stuff or i've got to go and send it to my wife uh, and she's got to try and find time to then tweak everything i've done but this ai it just revised it within seconds and i was just like crap where's this been why why didn't i have it during university or like school where and i'm not talking about can you just make me a script about this and then it then gets lots of dialogue and things as well because obviously that can be risky in some ways i don't know where the information's come from and certain things but i you know i don't know what if there's any copyright things with it and stuff as well but so i'm going about it in a way where i write it up first and then i put it in and then it revises it for me so everything you've heard from the red section is is all from me but it's been revised by chat gpt and it's it's amazing not just for you know podcast scripts it can be for blogs posts social media posts texts emails and so a lot of people saying ah oh, this is going to kill creativity ah oh, you know, there's not going to be any authors there's not going to be anything anymore but the AI requires you to slot in some information, questions and all that sort of stuff as well for it to work. So you can come all right, I've got a, a song title here. Can you come up with some lyrics for me? Yeah, you could do that if you know if you wanted to. But I find I want to do these things first myself and then I want it to get it revised. And I've been doing this with, you know, I've been asked to do a blog post recently uh, by a company and then I want to write it up because I think I know what I'm, you know, I know what I'm talking about. And it's the same, I think, with neurodivergence. We know what we're talking about, but when we go and express it verbally or on written paper or anything as well, it just comes up as if a child had wrote it. And it's mo it's really incredible, you know, really frustrating because you get the, what do you mean? I don't understand. What is this all about? Or you said something ridiculous in there that you would not normally say. And you were impulsive to just get it finished and done. And that's what I love about the the convenience, the speed of this AI. And I think, you know, if we're using it in a way that can enhance, I mean, it's, it's the most incredible neurodivergent tool that I found along with Grammarly and lots of other things that if if we can use these tools, we can communicate to neurotypicals in a way that, oh, I, you know, I didn't realize that's what you were actually saying. And, oh, <laughs> I don't know what they think, you know, um, but I know people around me, you know, they see the intelligence and everything as well. You know, to, for me to get a 2-1 at university, that's why it's not picked up on as a neurodivergent. No, no, you're successful. You know, you got this and you got this. You can't be this. It's like you, you clearly don't understand. And that's where the stigma and that's where all, you know, the awareness needs to kick in. But I hope now these sort of tools can bridge a gap where like, this is me. This is my version. This is the AI version. And it can make me sound more 
professional in a way that I know what the hell I'm talking about, but I just need to revise this a little bit. And that's what, you know, you use Grammarly. For, I use that all the time, but this chat GBT has just taken it to another level. You know, and I, I want to do things down the line. I've always wanted to write a book. I've got so much to to give, but sometimes it's like when I used to do dissertations, I used to just get there and just freeze, even though I had all this information inside me. But now I know I can write out, and I'm not just talking rough outline and then the chat GPT fills in the colour. I'm talking about I'll write it all out in my really convoluted, impulsive, crazy way. It's not crazy. It's neurodivergent way. And then I'll have chat GPT do a version for me. And then I can go, oh, can you do me a second version? Can you do me a third version? And then I can then analyze what I like. And it's the future, you know? I know I know they're bringing out a new version that you can write thousands and thousands of pages. So I just want to make you aware that. So the red section is all me, but it's just been revised by chat uh, GPT and so they are you know it's all original material so it might be like I say the word crossroads in my version but actually the chat GPT will go oh intersection I'm like oh I love that word actually intersection that's perfect uh, and I go and check it out and things as well so I learn new words as I'm doing it as well it's a great education but if you're looking for something to enhance especially if you work on your own you're trying to do socials you're trying to do emails you're trying to do admin of all sorts and you need something like again it's like um you know a digital workforce if you've got Grammarly and then you've got uh, chat GPT and then you've got all these things if you can't afford you know to go and hire someone who might not be able to do it as quickly by the way and you might be spending a lot of money use these tools and things as well so what I suggest is just go to Google type in chat GPT type in Grammarly if you haven't got it you can get Chrome extensions you can get apps all sorts of things and just start to you know tread carefully like go into the shallow end of the pool and just type in a simple question you know and then start to go from there but you can just copy paste your texts or your emails or whatever it is and just try and see if you get a different version and see what you think about it uh, you might think no actually i want to be my authentic self in regards to me typing in a neurodivergent way and i still do that in a personal way but for a professional setting you know like blogs like podcast scripts like things when i'm talking about insights and other things I want my things to sound a little bit more professional. It's almost like actually when I go around to mixing my albums, I don't mix them myself. I send them off to another producer to go and get it done because their expertise are, are higher than mine and also they have better gear. So anyway, that is my recommendation for the week. Thanks so much for checking out this episode on identity. If you know any other musicians or creators that might find this podcast informative, please do share away. And if you want to go and support the new album Neurodivergent, head on over to johnhartmusic.com forward slash neurodivergent. Follow the steps, become a backer and let's make some music together. Thanks so much and I'll see you in the next episode. Cheers. Take care.